Live from the Huntington Hellhole. In the morning, Troy. In the morning, Brian Black. Okay. Fix my audio issues. Okay, good. Because uh, the last time it sounded like you were in a space shuttle crash landing. It probably doesn't help that I've been listening to, or not listening, watching a bunch of sci-fi shorts. So my brain's just like all wrecked and like everything is an alien or a robot AI trying to take over. That sounds cool. It's a channel called, like it's its own app, but apparently there's a YouTube channel called Dust, just D-U-S-E. And it's just, it's loaded full of these like high production sci-fi shorts. They can go anywhere from like 15 minutes to uh, this one I'm looking at right now is like 50 minutes. How'd you find um, this? Because you showed me a link, or you showed me one of the videos, and I liked it. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah, that I don't, I don't know. It's just like sometimes YouTube will just throw you like a like you might like this, like a random video that has nothing to well, it's sort of related to your likes, but nothing like directly parallel. Um, and one of them I liked. It wasn't this Dust channel, but it was like you know, it was a sci-fi short, high production value, and then it led me to Dust from there. So I was like, I've just been chowing through all of them and there's uh, since it's well i've got youtube red so there's no commercials for me but it's just like one continuous show i have you block origin you block oh yeah does that actually work with youtube oh yeah it's fucking i mean fantastic. it I, doesn't youtube's finally figured I, it out i haven't seen an ad on youtube in since i used my iphone like to look at a youtube video and oh, even then, it. I'm like, fuck this, and I just keep hitting reload. It's, it's I only do it now. in the browser. I don't do it in the app. So I it's do it in the browser. It's multiple ad, and they're not like a quick five seconds. They're like 30 seconds now. It's it's painful. I forgot yeah. what it's like. That's unacceptable. There's a bunch of ways around it. On mobile, it's a little different. And it's a lot different. Uh, speaking of YouTube sci-fi, mm-hmm. many years ago, I found the series through a random recommendation from YouTube for eight. No, maybe, maybe I heard it. I probably read about it on Slashdot or something. H plus digital. H plus digital. It's it's literally, it's literally the letter H and a plus symbol. And this show about it's a science fiction series cut up into like 10 minute segments, 12 episodes, five minute segment something like that and um everybody has like apple ar glasses basically but they're in their they're in their body i don't remember if it's in their eyes or something or Mm -hmm. in their brain and everybody gets a virus oh boy and they're all fucked that's the gist of it that's not like that's not it like and you're done like, You'll have to watch it. Oh, get me to get get me trapped another with another show. It's a one and done thing. They never made another one. They moved on to dust. Apparently, <laughs> the sure dust. The same production team. Like I don't, I don't think Dust makes these shows. I think it's made by other small studios. Oh. Um, I, I think they're just the ones hosting it. Like they buy the rights or I think you're right. they get the okay or something. Cause it's, it's like, it's a bunch of different directors. There's even different like countries of origin. Like one show was totally Korean. It has subtitles for English, luckily. And another show was like Chinese and another show was like 
like Belgium. So it's all over the place, but the the, gen, the same general theme is uh, sci-fi and uh, more or less always a bleak ending in one way or another. It's basically if if you have a premiere fix, but you don't want to cry your eyes out for a week, it's a good like in between. Do you know what's going on on your network right now? <laughs> your ping, your average Why, ping is nine hundred milliseconds. You're like on the moon or something. <laughs> so that actually leads to my next thing is I'm still having, I don't know if I talked about this last week, but I'm still having internet woes. Yeah, no shit. Your, your packets are circumnavigating the world. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So I had the guy come out twice and both times they checked the coaxial cable and they checked the box that's, you know, yonder down. And both times it says it was okay. I got a new modem, and I definitely saw improvements. Uh, do I sound okay? Am I sounding robotic? It can get a little fucked off every once in a while. Okay. So like when else. you try and spell stuff, like just at the worst time, it'll miss a, a letter. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the modem's replaced, and I did see improvements. So obviously, like my old modem wasn't taking full advantage of, of my connection. The only thing I haven't changed is the router, but like I had... I have an old Nighthawk, not really that old, but you know, it's like a couple years old now. And I switched with with an even older, um, like Linksys, like uh, K. I'll just use the first letter of the name K. Let me borrow, and he hasn't asked for it back because I think he's done the better things. And so that's the last thing I can think of to replace is maybe my router. Both of them have gone bad. Just so you know, he did a one-and-done photography podcast. Yeah, I remember that one. I, okay. I saw it. Okay, I Google WinMTR. Win, like Windows, and MTR, like my, my tracer out. Mountain Trouble Rubble. Mike Tango wrong? Romeo. Yes, free MS visual application. Yep. So this is a GUI version of a utility called MTR, which is ping and the traceroute command combined into one and it will uh, run a continuous ping to a source destination like let's just say google mm-hmm. and it will tell you if there's packet loss along any of those hops and if the packet loss spikes at one and then trickles down to every single link after that you know that the one that started it is the one that started it got it i will run this well maybe i shouldn't run it right now you could do it it doesn't matter Okay. It is a little distracting during the show, but but I, that's basically what I need to find is where is they're yeah. saying it's not them. It's possible it's not. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm, find out. I'm leaning towards a, two different guys, and neither of them seem shady, and they both sort of came to the same conclusion. They did like the first guy was like, "Oh, something seems off a little bit," so he had a maintenance crew come out, and the second guy confirmed it that they came out, um, but they're like, "We don't see anything on our end." I I will say though. It doesn't seem to start right away, like all day today, never really tested my network at all. And then right at six, I didn't stream, but I made it, uh, OBS has a, has a tester where it just sends, you know, blank data out. Yeah. And so to contest your connection, I just left that running, you know, run, I'm sending out 6,000 megabits. You, you've been running it this whole time? No, not right now, but oh. earlier I did. And just to see like what would happen if I just let it run. 
Um, and I've got 20, I'm supposed to be getting 22, and I can see when it's good, it's 22. So that should be fine. I'm not like taxing the system. But then after a while, after run, leaving that running, it just starts to crash. And like my download's completely fine, but then my upload changes from 22 to 6 to 1. And so it's, I'm thinking it's somewhere downstream or it's uh, my router like starts going crazy. One of those two. My last, my last resort possible. though is to replace the router. So you have any uh, router recommendations? Uh, you might need a decoy router. Something with catnip on it. I'm not sure how catnip's going to help me. Well, if your router is getting hot, mm-hmm. because an animal's resting on it. <laughs> I haven't had that problem. I have never oh, seen okay. the cat on the router. He's never shown any interest. Um, he definitely wants to be in my arms when I'm trying to work on the laptop, but I haven't had any cat issues. Speaking of unfucking things, mm-hmm. did you hear about this truck? No, no, sorry. This ship that is stuck in, what is this? What straight is this? The uh, Suez Canal. Oh, yeah. I, I first saw a meme about it. Isn't that funny? Uh, the there's a website now. faster than the news itself. Is the ship still stuck.com? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. So when Where, you go to the website, the it says, uh, it says, Here's the link. Uh, yeah, how's it Google? <laughs> is the ship still stuck? Is that sh- well, is that ship still stuck? Yes. And it's been like this for two days, sixteen hours, and twenty nine minutes. Yeah, I about to say, where's the? Uh, yeah, there it is. There's a little map of it. <laughs> it's ripe for jokes because it's like uh, whatever that. Man, okay, I need to look that up on a map. Well, it's 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 funny to me that like okay, obviously this is. This is hilarious, and now it's like a huge deal because this is just a, this is not just the Red a Sea. Red Sea. Go right up past Djibouti into the Red Sea. All the way at the top. Basically, just started Egypt at the top. Suez Canal is right up there. Okay, what am I looking at? I, can't, I see Port Said. Uh, n- never mind. The website will show you where it's at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found it on the website. You just wanted the boat itself right above Suez. Um, but I just find it funny that, like, I heard about this through a meme first. And I thought it was, like, just some graphic that somebody made. Because they were talking about, like, oh, here's me. Here's my problems, like, not getting through or whatever the meme was. And then at work today, I, I got an email saying, hey, this is happening. So anybody who has uh, transit going through that canal... Uh, let us know because <laughs> we need to tell our customers right away it's not going to happen. Like it's everything's delayed. And then uh, I saw it on Reddit later today, so I've seen it in three different places. But the meme got me first. It's an interesting problem to solve. I heard they tried to to drain it and then raise the water, and that didn't do anything. It's like funny. That. It's wide enough that it can turn, so it it actually kind of caused this by being too wide. Mm-hmm. It wasn't forced to go straight only. It wasn't so wide that the length of one of these giant ships couldn't turn or uh, could turn. It was short enough that it could just get fucked. Yeah. And, and now you stuck. Now you need a giant wedge and a giant crane with a hammer attached to it to just like hit it out of the way. You think there's a hope- current? 
Well, no, if, if this is anything like the Panama Canal, it probably moves it up in sections. So they've got it. There's uh, no moving water. They just sort of like oh, a good point. rise and lower walls as needed to make sure there's no like, whoa, like if something like a big storm just over, overwhelms it. But yeah, that's a, that's a major problem. When things get really big, I, I love it. They even show a little graphic of how it's stuck. <laughs> but yeah, when, when things get really big, it's... Uh, you sort of just scratch your head and go, uh, now what? I saw some uh, threads on Hacker News or Lobsters or something. Mm-hmm. People were linking to other videos on how they solve uh, problem problems like with huge ships like this. And apparently there's a saw. It's like a giant rope. Do you attach it to a helicopter? If you... well. The, the problem of uh, lifting a ship from the bottom of the ocean was the one that they were solving in this video. Mm-hmm. And they had to cut it up into nine sections, and they used this rope saw to slowly cut their way through it. Oh, they're saying it's underwater. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So in this case, who fucking knows? It'll be an interesting... I, they're going to avoid that, video. though, at all, at all costs, because those ships are expensive. Yep. Yeah, they try and get the... I assume they try and get the metal... It's probably the cheapest source of metal if you can recover it. Yeah, because if you have the ship, let's say you cut it, then it's, you have to somehow grab it before it starts sinking, and then you can't even use that canal till you un un. Uh, what is it? You raise it from the bottom of the freaking tank in chunks. Yeah, I don't think they'd do anything like that here, but. Uh, there's big equipment that can solve these problems. Yeah, they just have to worry about uh, what are the neighboring countries we got? Egypt and is that Nikel? I hope they're friends. <laughs> it's hard to say. A lot of them are not. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Maybe that's part of Egypt. It must be. Sometimes these things have like a like a mutual since it's since it's the canal between them. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it looks like it's it's actually used being used as a border, and so they probably have shared rights to that canal for the sake of uh, trade being easier. Well, that's the one convenient part though about that that part is that it's right next to major roads. It's not like you know if they went a little bit farther down by the I guess it's so wide there they don't have to worry about it, but just. Like, if it had just been a little bit farther down, it would have been, like, a big deal to try and get anything down there. There's no major road. It's hard to get big equipment down there. It's right next to Mad... Madama. Madama. Suez. All right, so I was looking into Bitcoin mining because of some Mm -hmm. random guy on the internet mentioning something about the fact that I have a 3070 and... All I use it for is this <laughs> live streaming. It'll apparently generate me $170 a month. How much but, power is that using, though? Uh, however many watts the GPU uses. Still, uh, though, Bitcoin could go up in value, so you could end up... Uh... Exactly. So if I just held it and ate the cost of the electric bill, then that $170 at its current value if it tripled again, would be worth even more. 
so on and so forth. But I could also mine Ethereum, whatever else. Personally, I'd rather have Ethereum. I have way more utility with that. Yeah, all the different apps that you've been talking about the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and I saw a really cool one called Store J. Where is it? Store J. That's yeah. new. Store storage. It's got, maybe it's called storage. I don't know. Store J dot I O. There might be some fancy way to pronounce this. I'm unaware of it. Store J. You can get paid to store people's stuff. Oh yeah, you were telling me about this. You basically turn your computer into a little like node, right? Ten dollars per terabyte. Terabyte. Wow. Yep. Yep. You could definitely set up a little server though, like a little computer that just needs to have a basic, basic everything, no video card, and just. Uh... Or, you can get the highest capacity disk included box on, on AWS. Mm-hmm. Turn it into a giant scary raid, so you can utilize every disk. Then sell all the storage on that. Like if you. <laughs> I'd have to do the math on it, but I'm pretty sure you can make that economical. There's a certain instance type on AWS that's just intended for storing lots and lots of local block storage attached to the instance. Mm-hmm. Like 18 four terabyte drives. Something like that. A considerable that, amount of storage. That just sounds funny to like, it sends it to you and then you immediately take it and send it right over to their servers. Uh, yeah, I would just be storing it on AWS and... <laughs> If I got a reservation or I used a spot instance where I could get a 70% discount mm-hmm. or more, I'd have to find a way to make it more high availability. But if if it was economical, I think I could pull that off. I just find it funny that it's it's like that uh, those stories you hear about the guy who, who works at a company for years and then they find out he's been offshore, offsourcing all of his work to somebody in China. <laughs> and so it's like, wait a minute. We're just giving you work and then you forward it to someone else and then it comes back to you and then you forward it back to us. Like you're just like, you basically became the middleman. Yeah. Well, that only works if you can find some cheap source that was trustworthy and can do it and speak English. But then at that point, why are they working for you still? They could. Oh yeah. If they have all those skills. Well, because the car probably where they live. They can make multiple times that. But I'm just saying that you are basically, you are taking that place. You are the middleman yeah. for server hosting. In. This line of work, uh, the real value of something is discovered very quickly because computers can automate so much. Mm-hmm. So if you're not constantly learning something new, uh, humans get obsoleted very fast because they get automated away. And uh, if you're charging too much for some type of storage service, then... then you're gone. I actually, I really question whether store J or Filecoin or whatever other systems are out there, if they could actually work like long-term because they're charging like a penny per gig. And I can get that on S3 because they're just, it's object storage. Their, their system relies on random people to resell their storage. So the economy of scale 
is gone. Like they don't have that competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Backblaze B2 is actually half this price. Half the price of this cryptocurrency cloud storage system. I don't know if maybe the system's more high performance. How could it be? It's relying on random people in their home. Yeah, I think I think all of these like tech tech industry things, it, it all eventually gets conglomerated into like one company and then it's it's like how do you break into an industry that's constantly like already changing ahead of you? That you'd have to have a new idea and be the only one that could do it for some reason. Yeah, but this is decentralized storage. That's the idea here. Yeah. But, but then it's like what's yeah, good. the value of that? Mm-hmm. I could see it for archival storage, but there's IPFS. And that's pretty much free. Um, it's an interesting idea, but I just don't see it being a long-term idea. Uh, I mean, like, you can say it's encrypted all day long, but a another company, which would you know pay you real money for some 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 kind of contract like this, is not going to like the idea of the their data being on Joe Schmo's server somewhere. Yeah, so it'd be it'd be really only like it'd be four people and sell to back to those same people kind of thing. It'd be like, do you remember like your, uh, what was it called? It wasn't called torrent. It was the BitTorrent sync. BitTorrent sync. Yeah. Like yeah. where it's, you could create that and then share amongst yourselves. BitTorrent sync's awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's how to market that though. Like to make money off of that. That's, that's well, the trouble. Here's was. the problem. Mm-hmm. You have to store the information. Yeah. Which works in certain scenarios, but ultimately what I want is I want to put it somewhere else and I want to go access it when you need it. Yeah. Not have like it on your system. All Dropbox the time. or Google drive. If it's going to be on my system, I want it to be able to, be, to like selectively or intelligently allocate things. Mm-hmm. Dropbox does that. Um, iCloud drive does that. BitTorrent sync has a selective sync. I think they call it Resilio or something. That company is super sketchy. Uh, I I contacted them to interview them for the show, mm-hmm. and apparently they fired everybody that week. <laughs> what? Yeah, what they fired everyone, that? and one year later, they looked up my missed call, or my voicemail, or whatever it was, and they contacted mm-hmm. me about it. They called me multiple times. I just ignored them. Super sketchy. They fired everybody. But well, now like, they, how, how do you know that they fired everybody? Is that because like I read about you? it like a week later? I was oh, like, that's well, weird. Okay. They never got back to me. And it <laughs> seemed like they were interested. Their salespeople just disappeared. <laughs> they got dusted. They started selling it as a business product a year later, but by that point, I had moved on because I realized uh, I can't really make a product out of it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, but there's nobody there. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Nobody there. <laughs> uh i just had to move on but it's basically like to me like that's sort of like the, the same thing with this having people hold your storage is that it would only be marketable to people that already were like hosting it for you that they themselves were like well i want to throw my data in there too so it's not uh it's not the price that a major uh server hosting farm would charge me but then it's it's uh not data i'm not i don't worry about I don't care if it's on someone else's server. It's pretty much impossible to compete with the AWS's uh, S3 pricing mm-hmm. because you put the store, you put files in S3 and their default storage pricing, I think it's like 
2.4 cents or 24 cents. I don't know. It's something two something or point. There's a two in there. It is. If you looked at other people's cheap storage options, they always show, oh, look, we're half the price of AWS. It's lies. lies. It's, it's but they're using AWS as the standard, basically. Yeah, but they're using their default storage tier, which puts your your storage in three or more availability zones, three or more separate data centers. It's triplicated. So why is their storage, if it's only in one availability zone, because I know that's why it's so cheap, why is theirs only half and not one-third the price? On AWS, I can just flip a switch and go to half price for uh, like I can just say I want it standard availability so it's high availability but mm-hmm. I want it to be considered infrequent access because I'm not touching this shit it's almost instantly about half price so it goes from like okay let me just look at the pricing so I'm not <laughs> off by a factor of 10 but basically they're they're the standard everybody competes against so that means they're the the giant to try and beat all right here we go 2.3 price through 2.3 uh, cents per gig. And once I flip the switch to say I want it to be infrequent access, it's 1.25 cents per gig. Mm-hmm. Really so you cheap. have a lot of options to uh, how you want to, you can make it cheap, make it really, really cheap or, yeah. or really, if really I'm expensive. feeling lucky, really lucky. <laughs> I can go all the way down to one cent per gig in a single availability zone. That is also considered infrequent access. So that's their cheapest accessible storage. Then you start Mm -hmm. getting into uh, their like, so that would be considered like hot storage or warm or something. You can access it. I can just pull it up, find the file I want, download it right away. When you move into their cold storage systems like Glacier, Mm -hmm. it's also considered part of S3. It's a storage tier, but it gets down to less than half a cent. And their deep archive where they basically put it on a tape drive and then ship it to Siberia. You can't access, <laughs> if you try to access a file, you have to put in a request and it takes 12 hours till they restore it. To a they bucket. pull it out of the warehouse. Yeah. And that's uh, 99 cents per terabyte. Well, that's one tenth the price of the store J system, but store J or storage, whatever the fuck it's called mm-hmm. that that's warm storage versus cold. It's always so, available. You don't have to request it. My point is that this the price on S3 to put it in a single availability zone that's probably still more reliable than storage A. It's mm-hmm. or storage, whatever it's called. Storage A. It's uh it's the same price. You can't you basically you can't beat <laughs> the S3 pricing still. I, I want to get paid in this cryptocurrency. It's really cool, but uh why would people use this? <laughs> because they don't know better. I get that it's distributed or decentralized or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe but it's got oh. a higher resilience or higher durability because there's it's in multiple locations in parts. I don't know. Or maybe it's it's uh, synced a little bit, so it's more reliable because you got it in multiple places. I think the files are split up. They're put all over the place. Ah, uh, so if somebody had one piece of it, they couldn't reconstruct it. Well, it's also encrypted. Yeah, and but then, like on top of encryption. Yeah, there may be a single object inside there that's encrypted. 
but then there's a bunch of partial objects. Mm-hmm. But it's all split up, and if one person's server goes down, I assume there's some redundancy there. All they need to has have me on there, and then when my upload changes from 22 to 1, <laughs> and you're trying to download a file from me, the course, cr- critical part, good luck. Yep. Your ping went down to 270 milliseconds. So you're routing your traffic through China now. It's no longer <laughs> the going moon to the was moon. not available. <laughs> the, the moon was not available. <laughs> NASA wanted wanted their ping back. Yeah. <laughs> that actually does. Um, sorry, are you? Are, I have one topic I can bring up, but I make sure I, you finish this one. Is there? That's it. Okay. I found out a new thing about the way Nintendo does networking. That oh boy. Yeah, so what is, if you didn't already know, Nintendo uses, for most of their games, peer-to-peer, which means your Switch goes through your internet over to their their side, and it's then goes crap. switch to switch. Yeah, and it's, it's generally garbage because of whatever reasons. What I found out is on top of it doing that, which is, this is sort of clever, but what, what the Switch is set up to do, and the guy figured this out just because he noticed, like, what's this, he, he had, like, a, he had plug and play, universal plug and play installed, and he was seeing what it was doing, what ports it was opening, because it was opening more than it needed to, just like for peer to peer. But what he noticed is that on top of the switch doing peer to peer, if you've got more than one peer, so let's say there's like three of you all playing together, and you're all peering, you know, with each other, and then back to each other, and direct three way triangle. Let's say it's like uh, you're playing in Utah, I'm in California, and there's some guy in Arizona. Me to Arizona, let's say it's garbage. Like it's just it's just not a fast connection for whatever reason. But it notices that you and Utah have a great connection to Arizona. What it will do is that instead of going trying to make it go from me in California to that person in Arizona, it'll throw my signal or you know, my data, send it to you, and then not only are you sending your data to that person in Arizona, you're also sending my data and then reversing back that same way. So That's you smart. can have yeah, it, it's smart because it's like, okay, yeah, just go with the quickest route. And I'm sure that's what the internet does already. Like, it, you know, looks for the fastest route, where it has the uh, quickest, you know, direction. I just wonder, though, if if I'm the one hosting, does it have more of a, does it lean more on me because I'm, like, hosting something to do that, especially if I get people across states? And is that why? Not when I'm, obviously, I just streamed earlier and it showed that it wasn't just the reason, but I was wondering earlier, like, is that why when I'm streaming and trying to play games that my router is being like overloaded with, it probably means it's a bad routing to be replaced, but overloaded with data, not just to download, but upload. So I'm not just uploading to like That's Twitch so servers. minimal. Okay, yeah. You should have enough bandwidth to play a game, let alone for somebody else, basically, because you're routing it. Mm-hmm. The load on your computer, it's probably, or your router is probably less than the effort put into encrypting the packets being sent oh i don't to think your they're switch. encrypted no the, your connection to your switch when it's on your wi-fi that's encrypted unless that the... your network is completely clear text and you don't have a password <laughs> okay okay yeah i i can understand that i was thinking like once it actually gets sent out of the router i think it's i don't know their protocol could be clear text i don't it doesn't matter i just know it's there was one game. person who was uh streaming streaming on their switch they're playing nintendo game 
and somebody could join their arena and then instantly DDoS them. Like it had, they had all the information they needed because it's all peer to peer. And so I'm like, ooh, that stuff is definitely not hidden at all from view if you knew where to look. Yeah. But yeah, that was a that was my little like interesting, huh? That's sort of smart and clever. But I bet it's probably standard practice. You just don't ever hear about it. I've never heard of a game doing that, but there's weird stuff that companies do for console games. Mm. It's not like a normal uh, first-person shooter type of. Yeah, for those server. who don't know, usually what happens is a there'll be a server farm that will host your game for you, and then when you connect to it, like Rocket League, it's a good example. They'll have a server and. I don't know, Los Angeles or someplace that gets good connection and has a lot of information. And so everybody connects to that server and that server takes your information and relays it to each other. So you're all in sync. You're not actually connecting to somebody else directly peer to peer. And that's why sometimes you'll have a uh, really good connection. Even if your friend has garbage connection, you're not lagged down by him. Yep. Anything else you want to cover? You gotta go. uh, it's just two more things I can think of. Just a, a little announcement for those that I don't think anybody does watch my stream, but if they do, tomorrow we're having a uh, raid boss. I take one of our little robots in the game, and I've made it totally unfair and totally uh, biased for him. So you have to try and beat that, and the first person to beat it gets a little like, oh, there, hooray, and I'll have a leaderboard and everything for fun. What See game? how far you... Uh, Super Smash Brothers. So it'll be you versus one-on-one versus the computer bot, and it'll be completely unfair advantage, but we'll see who gets the closest in if, uh, or who can defeat him. Um, and then just, uh, I want to ask you, did you see the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? It came out last week. Uh, no. Okay. I forgot about I, it. I liked it. It's definitely more, much more action-oriented than, uh, what's the other show? I'm already blanking out. Scarlet Witch. WandaVision. There we go. Yeah, that's it for me. What's your website? Oh, you can find me on my website at yort.org, Y-O-R-T dot O-R-G, or uh, twitch.tv slash troycinnanin. And bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions. Bringyourwallet.com slash member to support the show, share the show, and become a member. Join the community. See you next week. See you next week.